Hello and welcome to the Red Sector, a podcast about speedy motorbikes. I'm your host, Matt Polanski, joined as always by Josh Wilson and Bono GP. On today's episode, we're going to break down the guitar race, talk fantasy, and answer some listener questions. So, guys, how are we doing tonight? Yep, uh, doing great. It's finally uh, it's finally happened. We're back. Uh, second season of the Red Sector. Um, the first race just gone. Uh, it literally, it came and went like a flash. One one minute it was uh, FP one, then the next it was the podium celebration. It all it all just it was a blare, but yeah, it was it was brilliant. Yeah, it's so good to be back. Um, and I don't know how I've caught for the last three months or two or three months without MotoGP because I feel complete again. Yeah, same here. Actually, I'm actually I feel sane enough to to talk on the podcast because I feel like we we're actually driving each other mad, sitting there trying to you know sort of. I don't even know what the word is, but we were trying to just say, oh, but when racing happens and when when we get to this round and when we get to that round, it's like now we're in there. We're, we, you know, it's actually it's actually happening. So, yeah, it felt it felt really good on FP1 to just sort of sit back and it's just there. Do you know what I mean? It's so, so weird, but FP1 felt it's just I had the biggest grin on my face for the first five minutes. It was like, yes, we're back. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, really good. Yeah, so... Uh... First, we're going to get into some news, and the only real bit of news coming into this weekend was that Peko Benyaya chose the 2021 Ducati engine over the 2022, which ultimately means that Jack Miller also has to use the 2021 engine. Um, Peko said that for most of testing and even in uh, the practice sessions in guitar, he just didn't have a feel for the bike. He couldn't really get a hang of it. Um, you know, constantly felt like he was just testing stuff and trying to figure out what worked and ultimately decided to just go what he knew, which was the 2021 engine. And yeah. So what are your thoughts on that? Um, I think from my understanding, it's, it's kind of like a hybrid, is it not? It's like a, a 2022 engine, but with parts from 2021, I think I remember FP1 saying they said something about um, the exhaust system was 21 spec. Um, so it seems to be a mis- a kind of a, a mishmash of, of both engines. But it seems to be a problem for both of them. Of course, Jack Miller probably would prefer just a, the straight up 2022 engine. At, and of course, Banyaya chose the, the kind of 2022 one hybrid. But it seems to me that obviously it's not really trying to fit that in and perfect that with the 2022 bike and the 2022 chassis is is because it's a bit problematic and they're having to do almost like a second round of testing to get it all squared away and to make sure it, it it's good enough um you know for races but as we've seen it just wasn't good enough for, as we'll get into it anyway um it was just a bit too little too late for for the race at Qatar yeah, it, I think it is uh, very much a mashup. Because I remember um, Davide Tidotzi coming out and saying, "Look, you know, it's it's kind of like a a spec version of the 2022 engine," and basically said, "Well, Honda are doing it." He didn't name them, did he? I don't know if anybody listened to the interview, but it was like another manufacturer are doing it, and um, and Marquez doesn't get the same as what Peko gets, but so basically saying it's Honda. Um, I think, yeah, it was a little bit too little too late. And, well, 
as we'll get on to, like Josh said, I think it proved that the 2021 machines were 2021 and just ran with everything 2021. There was no mix-up or any sort of fine-tuning. They sort of got that sorted pretty early on because they knew they were only working with 2021 parts. Whereas the 2022 bikes that would run in the spec engine or whether it's a 21 engine, 22 engine or whatever, it seemed like a very last minute decision and they thought they could pull it off. Um, and it might, it might pull off, you know, that, that spec that they're going for might work brilliantly throughout the season. But I think they kind of went with it and went, right, we're going to go with this, but we might have to bite the bullet a little bit at Qatar. So I don't know. Um, we'll get into specific reviews for riders, but Factory Ducati this week will be kicking themselves a little bit, but if it pays off in the long run, then we'll see. But yeah, they do seem to be messing around with the engine a little bit. But again, who knows how it'll turn out in the long run, really in the first round. Right. And uh, before we get to MotoGP, we're going to go through the lower classes, starting with Moto3. Andrea Migno won the race, followed by Sergio Garcia and Kaida Toba on the podium. But I feel like this race, we can't talk about it without bringing up the fact that Ayuma Sasaki dominated this race and got robbed. The MotoGP gods were cruel and unusual to Moto th- to Sasaki. And really, Moto3 as a whole, because at one point, it was just like long lap after long lap after long lap after long lap. And it was... One of those races where it it wasn't the wild Moto3 races we saw last season, but it was definitely an interesting one. What were your guys' thoughts? I think, to be honest with you, watching it, I I think with with Sasaki, it was like what Crayfar referred to in it and saying the bikes are so lightly built that, you know, it only takes a a bit of force with, with, you know, he had that moment, didn't he, where it sort of brought the fairing out. And yeah, yeah, he had unlucky. a high side. Yeah, it's, it's unlucky. Don't get me wrong. And at the end of the day, to finish first, first you've got to finish. I get all that side of it, but he rode brilliantly. He really did. I mean, no pressure whatsoever, no mistake other than that one high side. And usually, when you've got something like that, nine times out of ten, nothing happens to the bike. You're just a little bit rattled, and you you know you keep on going forward. But yeah, to see him pull in, it was was quite harsh on him, to be fair. But I mean, in relation to Mino winning that bike looked like a leopard bike you just couldn't slipstream it it was so good on top speed it was like mm-hmm. every kt it was swamped by ktms behind it was onchu masia toba um mcphee obviously that's a rebranded ktm with the husqvarna but they were all kind of gaining 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 towards the finish line and then it, as soon as he got past the finish line where they were sort of maxing out that bike just could not get slipstreamed and to be honest around qatar like you said matt it wasn't really like a dive bomb sort of race as much as it normally is i think a lot of that comes from and it's a good thing in a way i think a lot of that comes from kota last year and a lot of the fact that guevara we saw what happened with guevara and foggia where you know the stewards have not slacked off they've came out and been like no you're dawdling on the racing line so we'll penalize you and we saw a lot as well for anyone that paid attention to moto3 Onchu was the least weaving rider in that whole race. A lot of the riders were weaving and Mino weaved at the very end. And I did think it'd be harsh to take a race win away from him. But if you're going to get away with that on the last lap and that ends up causing a collision at another race, 
people are going to be saying, well, hang on a minute, you know, blah, blah, blah. But anyway, I think a lot of the riders know the, the stewards are really amping up the penalties for it, which is good because, again, Moto3 last year was horrible in the sense of, you know, we lost Jason and whatnot. And that wasn't from weaving, but it's more a case of we don't want to get to the, the stage where people are being clattered off in the middle of straights and whatnot. So, again, people might say, oh, it wasn't as, as you know, exciting in that sense. But would I rather have a safer and more strategic race but still with motor three dive bombs in it, or would I rather have absolute chaos? I'm picking the former. Um, I'm not one for unsafe riding or anything. So that's my view on it anyway. Yeah. With um, Sasaki, it was a terrible shame really. Uh, he just, he controlled the race from start to the kind of high side. Um, he up to that point did not put a foot wrong and he was just, he was just flying. It was like me on the game on easy mode <laughs> with the racing line on. Uh, it, it, although he didn't have uh, rewind available, which I would have used at that point. But um, no, it was it was a shame because the funny punishment just doesn't fit the crime, does it? Um, mm-hmm. You know, he's had a little high side, which can happen to anyone, especially on them types of bikes. And that it's been that kind of violent that it's it's broke the fair in loose but of course as the bt sport commentator said we it looked like he had a an engine problem at first everyone thought because it how quickly he was dropping back or how how quickly the the pack was catching him everyone thought it, it, it seems to be an engine problem but it just shows how how much a, a bit of loose fairing can affect the performance of a bike that like you really don't you wouldn't think for a second that that would lose you a second them kind of scenarios um so it was a shame for Sasaki, but I think he can he can go forward with the knowledge that if he can put more performances like that together and and kind of avoid a high side or avoid kind of a freak of freak of actor god moment like that, he's he's gonna stand a good chance of, of doing well this year. Um and of course he's Japanese and we all wanna see more Japanese riders up in Moto Two, Moto GP, so but hopefully Hopefully it will do well. Um, and on the weaving, yeah, it's 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 bringing the hammer down. We've we've got to kind of stamp it out again. It's just it's kind of unacceptable. And the problem with weaving is it does give you an inherent advantage over someone who just stays straight. So if someone who stays straight sees that people who weave are getting away with it, they're going to start weaving. And then the more yeah. people who weave, the more chance of an accident. And we don't want another Magello, really, do we? That yeah, anything to avoid that yeah. or a Cota, yeah, anything to avoid them. And the the way we do that is by handing out harsh punishments and say if you if you if you weave or if you kind of take my Mickey with it, you will be punished. And again, with Foggia, that was right as well. Um, yeah, 100%. you know, make you've got to make sure that's that's kind of schoolboy, really. If you're coming out on track, you got to make sure. You're leaving space for people doing flying laps and whatnot. You can't just come out on your terms when you want. Um, it doesn't work like that. So, I mean, yeah, me personally, I, I'd, I'd knock me. Uh, people think I'm being harsh or being. I, I love me new. Obviously, being a VR46 rider, obviously, you know, big Rossi fan or whatever. I'd love to see them all do well. And what I don't really have a, a rider I don't like. Do you know what I mean? But honestly, I would knock me new. I'd give him a too long lap penalty for next next race for for weaving. Because again, mm. like Josh says, everyone sitting behind him on that slipstream, the, the the last lap will be going. 
well, if I'm leading at the next race, I'll weave. And then if they weave at Indonesia and someone causes a crash from it and, and, and the stewards say, right, we're going to penalise you for that because there's been a crash, they'll say, we well, didn't give Mino one. And, the, and there's no excuse of, well, there was no crash because we shouldn't have to wait for a crash to happen to then say, right, we'll penalise you. You should say, you're not allowed to weave. So you've weaved too long lap penalties and penalise him for it. So then he knows. So if then mm-hmm. someone's leading on that last lap at Indonesia, they're not going to be weaving. They're going to be saying, well, I don't want too long laps for next week. So I'll not weave. I'll win it fair and square. And yeah. like Josh says, if you're not weaving, you know that the person in front's gaining an advantage from it. You shouldn't be doing it because it's not safe. If you're gaining an advantage from an unsafe manoeuvre, they should be penalised for it. And don't get me wrong, let him keep the win. Cool. But he should be penalised for weaving. I'm not having yeah. any of this like it's too strict or it's too over the top because then you're waiting for a quota to happen. That's mm-hmm. it. Because Dennis Onchu missed two races for weaving. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like two whole races and people go, but look what he caused. That's what you will cause if you let it keep mm. happening. We, 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 the stewards, they can't be um, reactionary, you know. They've got to be proactive, not reactive. And yeah. they, they also have to, um, they have to know that, you know, some rules are written in blood, but they don't have to be written in blood, really, because you can make rules. If you can see, oh, that's going to cause an accident one day, just stamp out now. Just stop because they will stop doing it if they know they're going to get long lap penalties eventually well, I mean, look stop at what doing the fo- it. yeah look at the fodger thing no nothing happened but you penalize him for it because you look at marquez in 2011 or 2012 when it was in moto 2 when he went flying into back of somebody marquez's fault for not looking yeah but for example if somebody's on the racing line dawdling and someone goes into them that's their fault for dawdling on racing line so from now on if you're dawdling on the racing line you get penalised for it, i.e. Guevara, i.e. Foggia. So treat it the same with weaving. Don't wait for someone to crash and then go, right, we'll penalise you. Because like we've just said, you're just going to wait for something to happen and then go, oh, yeah, well, all right, Dennis, aren't you? You've caused an accident, so we'll give you we'll give you two races. In my opinion, looking back at Cota, I think it was Messier and Alcoba or one of the other they should have been given two races banned because mm. they were weaving twice as bad or just as bad the lap before. Mm. But it's like, oh, well, like Josh says, reactive. It's, oh, a, a crash has happened, so now we'll give them a ban. Like, no. If they do it, they should be banned, they should be banned or, you know, penalised or whatever because if the, if the rules are, if a crash happens, we'll give it them, then you are waiting for disaster and that's not how it should be. And people will say yeah. that we're t- kind of taken away from the race. Great race. You know, Sasaki should have won. Yeah, fair enough, whatever. And to be honest, fair play to Mino because even though he had a quick bike, he rode a good race, didn't make any mistakes around the rest of the lap. And there was some good fighting going on and, you know, good races from Foggia and um, and Guevara and the likes of. But that was one big thing, I thought. Because it's not, nothing's happened, people will sort of gloss over it and think, ah, oh, well, you know, you're making a big deal out of nothing. At the end of the day, look at last year. You don't want the chance of a rider crashing and then being left in the middle of a of track. Not saying that would happen, but again, why would you wait? Why would you wait? You've got these riders risking their lives as it is. It's a very, very, very serious thing, and it should be the first and foremost of any rule should be the rider's safety at the very, very top. 
So why would you jeopardize that in going, ah, oh, well, yeah, you can do it because you're on the last lap and it's for a race <clears> win. It's, it's not on, it's not on for mm. me at all. I think it's ridiculous if they're just going to be inconsistent and wait until a crash happens. But yeah, apart from that, yeah, really good race. Do you want to quickly touch on um, the Vision Drac team, British corner? Yeah, yeah. so Josh <clears throat> finished 22nd and Scott crashed out on lap six. Yeah, lap six. Yeah. <clears throat> So, to be fair to Scott, he has shown some really good pace in testing. He was in, doing really yeah, well, in, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, um, if, if you looked at it, I think he, he started following Fodger, didn't Fodger, he? yeah. And the problem mm-hmm. is, I guess you can get sucked into it and get a bit of tunnel vision, and you you think you can suddenly do what someone the likes of Dennis Fodger can do, who's a lot more experienced, and then it's just caught him out at the end. But the thing um, is with that is, if he knows his limit then to go, right, that's that's where I need to be following someone like him. And, you know, I've crashed out trying to go at that limit. If that's what he's done, then he knows at the minute he can't hit that limit. So if he, you know, if he just uses his head a little bit and sort oh, of yeah. finds that medium in between. It, the thing is with Scott and Josh is, same as all the rookies, but w- with them lads on a new new team, you know, Josh very, I mean, Josh is 16. Yeah. Very, very raw. Just need laps. You know, sitting yeah. behind people and taking as much in as they can, and you know, I, Scott probably beating himself up a little bit on the post that he put up, saying, "Sorry for this, sorry for that," you know, stupid mistake or whatever. But you're a rookie; first rate, it happens, doesn't it? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, he's, no he's, one's going to beat you up for that. It's all a learning, it, Kev, and there's there's kind of lessons to be learned, really. I mean, like we said, Scott knows now that by trying to follow someone like Fodger, he's He's found his limit, and luckily, I'd say it's better to find your limit early on in the yeah. first race. So then you know from from going forward, you can be like, right, there's my limit, so I know where I can go up to. Um, and then of course you got Josh Watley, who, well, obviously he he did the old the old race. He got 18 laps in, banked a lot of race laps, which is a lot of information for the team. Um, to do with obviously the, they were saying about having a slower engine, so they were looking into that. But that's that's huge to get. Obviously, ideally, you want two of your riders finishing a race, but to have a rider finish a race just for the data and information alone, it's it it's a massive help. And then, of course, for him as well, getting a full race in that's that's huge for him. Yeah, and don't don't forget as well that these guys are coming from junior world championships where they don't do as long races. So that's the first mm-hmm. race he's done. That's mm-hmm. you know another five, six, you know, and in that heat in Qatar, first ever race, you know. Th- there's a lot to take in with it and whatnot. So I think they deserve a lot of credit. And I'm not just saying that from a British standpoint. I'm saying it from a new team standpoint, people in new roles, you know, completely new project. And for people like, like for Josh, honestly, he's finished dead last. Yeah, it is what it is. But in my book, he's finished a race and he's, he's gained a lot of experience from the whole weekend. It can, it can only be positive. Same for Scott. He might have only raced for six laps, but he's had that experience of he had a poor start or whatever. So it's experience from that standpoint, experience going into that first corner in a big pack. You know what it's going to be like. It's all good from from my point of view. I, you know, I credit to them. They've had a great weekend. Good, good in testing as well. And Josh, Josh's pace has got better through weekend. So all all good from my point of view. People might look at it on paper result wise, but you've got to look at it more from that. 
you know, you can't just look at it on result because first mm. race, you know, and I'm not just using that as an excuse. He's 16 years old. He's the youngest in the whole yeah. class, isn't he? So, yeah. You and know, he's got, just, um, he's got, he's got years ahead. Yeah. And as a team, they've got Mandalika next, um, which no one's raced before in, mm. in MotoGP. So it's a bit of a level playing field. So that'll be interesting. Yeah, which is good for a rookie because, you know, second race in, Josh Watley's done as many laps around Mandalika as Dennis Foggia. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like, I'm not saying he'll be as quick as him or whatever, but, like, you're going in the same as everybody else. You know, they've not had so many laps ahead of you. So that's kind of good for them. I think we might see maybe Scott more than Josh in the ballpark a bit more because obviously Josh is still younger and not had as much experience as Scott. But, yeah, Mandalika will be interesting for them, lads. But all good experience. And like you said, Josh, it's good data to have a full lap, uh, not full lap, sorry, full race um, for the whole team, you know. Gives him gives him plenty of uh, plenty of confidence going into Mandalika. But who, who have we all picked for rider of the day? I think Sasaki might be an easy pick, but um, <laughs> um, who crashed? He's honourable um, honourable mention. Yeah, <laughs> for Matt. Well, I'm going with Foggia. Mm, come there. dead. Come from last. He got two long lap penalties throughout the race. And then still finished seventh. Yeah, one point nine off. <laughs> yeah. So okay, my my pick is uh, Diego Morea, rookie, finishing in P six, one point four off, and stuck with the the front pack. I mean, I know he dropped off like the last couple of laps, but got his elbows out as well. He didn't just tag along and sort of sit and you know he probably got his elbows out again. I think they're, are they a new team? The empty helmets, are they a completely rebranded team or a new team? I'm not not entirely sure, but either way, for a rookie, P6, solid result. So I've got to mm. give it him, I think. Yeah, fair enough. Um, probably go with Dennis Andrew. Um Had a very good race. Yeah, looking a strong race. He's, mm-hmm. he's, he's growing into it really well, especially from last season. We're seeing that development still. Um, and I... Do reckon he's one to watch for this season? There's a few, obviously. There always is in Moto Three. There's always a handful you can kind of pick, but Onchu's in that handful, I'd say. Um, and again, being a Turkish rider, um, looking into World Super Bikes with um, Top Rack, you know, if he can get up the ranks and into Moto Two, Moto GP, that'd be that'd be brilliant. I think as well. I said it last year. I think Dennis. I know it's easiest said than done. I think Dennis needs that race win to then go, I'm capable. Do you know what I mean? I think mm. he'll, if he gets a race win in the first eight eight rounds or so, or whenever it is, I think that's when you'll see the next version of Dennis Onchu to go, I've got that confidence then. Because we see it with a lot of riders that you go, he's capable, but he's not won yet. When they get that win, like, like Foggia did when he won, I think he won in 2020 at Bruno or whatever it was. But, like last year, as soon as on uh, as Foggia won, he just you know carried on and carried on and carried on. Acosta, easier said now, obviously, but Acosta won from pit lane. Imagine the confidence you must have winning from pit lane. He went to Portimao and just every overtake. You remember that overtake he did on Foggia, actually, mm-hmm. uh, like the third to last yeah. corner, or whatever. They're yeah. absolute yeah. confidence. It's the confidence of I'm the man. I've done it from pit lane, so I you know bring it on. Um, so I think that's the thing with Dennis Onchu. 
I'm really looking forward to watching him this year because I think you know if he if he puts it together, he can actually have a probably a solid chance of maybe fighting for a title or maybe fighting for at least top five. I think just depends how consistent he is. But I think a quick shout out as well before we just move on to Moto Two is a shout out to um, Holgado. He finished 16th, but he's literally yeah, riding yeah. one-legged. Like, the guy's on crutches. I think he broke his ankle or his leg, like, two weeks ago <laughs> or whatever. And, you know, again, we're talking about kids. I mean, I'm 21, but, like, these are now... I used to watch Moto3, like, God, they're a little bit older than me. They're now all... They're all kids. Do you know what I mean? They're all, like, 16, 17, 18. So that takes a lot, doesn't it, really? It's easy for us to sit here and say... Oh, well done, but the pain that must have been all weekend and then to do a full race on it. Um, just thought I'd quickly mention that. That's that's fair fair dues from me. Yeah, so uh moving on up to Moto Two, we had Bunda, do you want to try to say that first name? Because Celest- I know I'll butcher the hell. Celestino Vietti, we had him first. Yes. <laughs> first, followed by Aaron Canet and Sam Lowe's. Uh this race was dominated by Vietti. He he started on pole, took off, and just dominated this whole race. Kanet was close at one point, and then just Vietti was gone. Um, and then this race primarily came between... It was a, more of a race for the final step of the podium. Because you had Vietti down yeah. the road, you had Kanet trailing behind him, you know, getting close, dropping back. But then you had Sam Lowe's, Augusto Fernandez, Tony Arbolino, and Ayagura. It was such a good fight for podium. Uh, That was 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 such a good fight. But on that with Vietti, I think Vietti is like a a third coming, if you like, of Morbidelli and Bagnaia. I genuinely think last year, same thing as Onchu. We sat there and he was like, he's coming good. He started off a bit slow, but he got, you know, he put a few results together. I think the second Austria... Do we do two races Austria this year just gone or did yeah. we do just one? Yeah, I think we did. Yeah. 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 I think the second Austria, I think he finished like P five or P six or whatever. But he, he started to get a bit of confidence, started to get there a little bit. Yeah. First race of the year to, to win, I think that'll genuinely do Vietti so good. Like so yeah. good. He kept popping his I, I know we we mentioned him a few times last season, didn't we? Yeah. He just kept popping his his kind of face up every now and again. A bit like um, Ayagora, wasn't he, last year? Yeah, sort of yeah. A little bit behind Ayagora, but sort of, oh, you know when he gets that result? And, you know, Agora got a couple of results last year. And you look at the race we just had for the podium. Agora looked, granted he didn't finish where he wanted to, but he looked a bit more elbows out. He looks a little bit more. I know his team manager, Ayam, is a little bit like, he's a bit aggressive, isn't he? He's like, if he's, if he's not on the podium, it's yeah. not good enough. But I, he, I he didn't look fragile. Um... I think maybe that's because he knows that there's a chance next season yeah. for a GP ride. Yeah. And if he can show it, prove himself this season by getting a race win or getting a few podiums, then he's he's set he's set really for that. But I think um, that again though, it's 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 so weird to to talk about it all from a mental side. But what you're saying right there is exactly what I was thinking when I was watching it. I was like, he looks hungry. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And it was it's a it's become now every time Takanakagama gets mentioned, it's is he gonna be there next year? And every time Ayagora gets mentioned, it's like we could see him in MotoGP. So it's like a rumor that's sort of just simmering around. And when you've got that on your back from Ayagora's perspective, 
you're going to be so hungry when there's a chance that comes up, you know, to to lunge in and overtake. And it's the same with Nakagami. It's like, is he riding a bit tighter now? Is he, you know, is he going to take to the pressure or yeah. not? Yeah, but... uh, yeah. As well as that, because in Moto three, obviously you've got Sasaki and Toba as well. You've got yeah. a few names in there which would would be perfect to replace Agora. Um, so they've got that kind of that production line almost, haven't they? It's, everything's looks like it's falling into place for for Agora yeah. especially. Um, but again, he's just got to make sure it doesn't it don't get in his head and he don't get the better of him. But this was quite a good showing for him. Um, who who was it at the end? Was it the last lap that led? Was it Fernandez and Abelino that had a little? Coming together, that let's it, so it was Agora that went. It well, was actually, Agora. Oh, yeah. Agora was leading in P three out of the group, and then Fernandez did a. I felt bad for Fernandez because he made such a good move yeah. on Agora, and then Agora actually saved himself from crashing by hitting Fernandez because he was yeah. losing it and smacked into him. So I did feel a bit for Fernandez, but hey, as British fans, we're not going to complain because we we're got podium out of it. Um, but we did kind of gloss over the fact that can it. Solid race, do you know what I mean? Oh, like, yeah. Absolutely mm-hmm. solid race. He looks again now. He's on that Calix uh, chassis. I think that's another mental thing. Of he knows that bike's capable. He does. You can yep. tell he knows that bike's capable. Um, and I think that's what he needed last year. He needed that consistent chassis to mm. actually fight. And again, if if you're Aaron Cannett, you know that if you're around the Viettes and beating Sam Lowe's, Augusto Fernandez, and the likes of. You know you're doing something right, so I, I, yeah, I do think we're in for. I know you could say this about every season of Moto Two, but we're in for. I think we're in for a, a special one in a way. Because I think we're not last, looking at a two, season two way battle, are we? Do you know? No, what I mean? we're not. We're not because obviously it wasn't. It was quite early on that Fernandez and and Gard and Gardner became the kind of the two, it became a two horse race. I know for a we, little while you had Bezeki hanging hanging in there and Sam Lowe's, but they dropped off probably about. Halfway through the season, really, realistically, it was sort of after like like Lowe's won both Qatar races, and we thought brilliant. And then as yeah, soon as go. Lowe's crashed out at Portimao, and Fernandez, and it was it then, wasn't it? The likes of yeah, Magello when Lowe's crashed out, but again, it was Fernandez and Gardner mm. and all of that. So, yeah, I think it's the first race, so we don't get ahead of ourselves. But if you watch the whole weekend and you kind of take every session in to count, like you know, I think. For me, can it look strong in general? I don't think he looked like it wasn't a case of, you know, good on race pace but couldn't qualify. He looked strong on one lap pace. He looked strong in race form, consistent throughout. Vietti, strong in qualifying. I mean, you know, cleared off in the race. Agora looked strong and hungry. Augusto Fernandez looked strong. Good team, good team behind him, obviously, and whatnot. You know, good, good team manager. Pedro Costa, got to talk about it. Didn't have the race that he wanted, but I think in qualifying, when you look at it, what actually happened? I can't actually remember. Did he have a, he, um, had a lap taken off him? First, basically, first lap or first corner, he came together. I think there was Jake Dixon involved, maybe. Um, and there was someone else that came together with him. He had to, he basically had to take evasive action, but it, it put him right at the back of the pack. Oh, yeah. Um, that, that and then it was the basically race, in for him. Oh, do you, oh, you want about qualifying? Sorry. Yeah, I know. I know he crashed when he was on a flying lap. I think. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. He did. Yeah. So he didn't help him out himself out there, but yeah, the the Dixon thing really didn't help him out. And then I think no. then he was sort of trying to 
make ends meet with that. But he finished yeah. P twelve. I, I mean, mean he, he would have been in the. He would have been that. I think if that haven't hadn't have happened, he, he would have been in that kind of podium. Yeah. Fight or just or just in the in the kind of background. But you know, if um, we, you know, if he'd not won a world title, and you know, if he'd just been upgraded from Moto three to Moto two, and he wasn't on Red Bull KTM IO squad, and he got P twelve, we'd be saying, "What a race for a rookie!" Yeah. We'd, we'd be sitting there like, "What a race, P twelve!" Yeah. It's, it's the fact that we did say it last year. It's going to be like, "Oh, if he doesn't win, then you know, whatever." Speaking of rookies, how good? And I think everyone sort of expected him to do better in Moto two than Moto three because of his size. But how good did Salach look? I thought he looked so, much, so yeah. good through the weekend, and especially when he was in that front group at the beginning. Quite sad to see him um, to see him crash out, but I think he's one to look out for. I think, yeah, I, I think, think he looks strong. Yeah. Did you see Barry Baltus' uh, save? Yes. yes. Awesome. I wanted to talk about that. That, that deserves like he, His whole front end just washed out. He literally put his right hand out and pushed himself back up. I'm not sure if anyone saw it, but uh, I think Simeon did it in the Endurance World Championship last year. The bike was literally crashing. He just slammed his hand down and picked it back up. And I was like, Christ. Um, but yeah, I think there's, to be honest with you, there's a lot of rides there that I'm looking at in this Moto2 results mm. that you can, honestly, solid rides. Whereas I think last year it was coming to a point where there was consistently the same people and you never really saw yeah. any sort of breakthrough. Navarro, P7. So, like, honestly, you take anybody out of that podium fight, he's finished behind Vietti and Canada that, you know, blitzed everybody. You had a podium scrap for the other contenders. He's like the best of the rest, Navarro. You got, you know, I think that's a solid shout. Joe Roberts and Bobier. You know, not outstanding, but Bobier coming into his second season. Again, what is he off? He's 17 seconds off, which sounds a lot. But in Moto Two terms, he's how far is he off? He's five seconds off the podium fight. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like that's solid for in terms of when you look at it like that. That's solid for Bobier. Um, Jake Dixon again. Apart from that lap one incident, I think Dixon would have been in that top eight, top six sort of shout on pace. But doesn't always go always go that way. Um, so I think Jake's looked good this weekend. I think he's going to be. It's sort of that. I keep hearing it all weekend, but it's true. It's the first time he's gone to Qatar where he's fit. You know, he's actually mm. he's actually physically able to get on a bike and give it full beans. And I think the first year he actually was fit, he was on that Aspar that was falling to bits all the time. It was shocking. Um, so I'm I'm looking forward to 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 looking at Jake this year and seeing how he gets on from an English point of view, a British point of view. Um, but I think he did. I think. Honestly, from all American and British standpoints in Moto Two, I think we can all be pretty happy. I mean, yeah, definitely with the the eighth and ninth from Robertson Bovia as well. But I mean, Dylan Kelly again. It's the sort 25th. of Josh, yeah, it's the Josh Watley thing though. Never been on mm-hmm. a Moto Two bike. Never rode any of these these tracks that that we're going to go to this year. Honestly, from that point when you've transitioned from Moto America to Moto GP or Moto Two. Such a big difference. Do you know what I mean? It's such a big oh. difference. So anyone that's looking at that and going, oh, that's you know, that shark that is in P25. The guy's never rode a motor two mm. bike before in these circumstances against the top, top, top guys, the most competitive motor two field it looks like we're gonna have in a while. He's never rode at Qatar. You've got to take everything into account. Do you know what I mean? So 
Again, but, um, let's see how Dylan Kelly gets on later on in the year, but yeah. But um, Fermin Aldegar as well. Is that yeah. his name? Is that how you pronounce it? Yeah, he, I think he had a... Um, he, he was part of that. There was three riders involved in that lap one. I think it was Dixon, Acosta and Aldegar. Mm. They all got shuffled out and it's sort of three riders that I personally wanted to see how they got on because I ran yeah, and rave about Aldegar a lot. Because he's on the Bos- Boscoscaro, isn't he? Yeah. Um. So I guess like he's already at a disadvantage there with that bike. Um. But a sixteenth place and Fanati as well in fifteenth on the same bike. So let's not forget for a sixteen-year-old. <laughs> yeah. He's sixteen. Yeah. yeah, he's definitely one to keep an eye on. Um. Yeah. Honestly, I think there's some solid rides. Even even Alcoba, P14 rookie. Just Acosta's finished two uh, two places in front of him. Because it's Acosta, we're yep. like, oh, what what an awful result for Acosta. It's like Alcoba finishing the points. If you're finishing the points in your debut for a new new um, category, for me, that's that's brilliant. You know, if Scott Ogden had finished the points, we wouldn't shut up about it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, we'd, we'd be <laughs> ranting and raving about it. So solid for him, I think. What are we picking for right of the day? Or you got anything else to mention, Matt? Any other? Thinking about it, Moto 2 had a lot, didn't it? Had saves, yeah. it had fights, it had people clearing off on good pace, some standout performances and whatnot. That's some really good points on Motor Two. Yeah, I'm gonna go with Aaron Kinnett. I think he really showed what he can be capable of when he's on a Calix. Wasn't he on the Boscus Curl last year? Yeah. Yeah. So now that he's made that change, it's kinda like that, you know, look at what I can do now, wait until you see what's coming kind of attitude so yeah i'm gonna go connect on this one i like can he's got that sort of villain about him hasn't he like sort of pantomime villain he's just so like you look at him and you see like all the tattoos and stuff like that you're like the hell's up with this guy and then he does like the glasses and the bow tie and you're like he's kind of of, yeah he's got that target on his back for the sort of (laughs) You know the the normal MotoGP fan, the old school GP fan. That's like, why is he not sort of you know rough and ready? Mm-hmm. But he's sort of this new, like <laughs> fully tattooed bow tie and you know kind of quirky glasses. It's sort of like I, I, I like the fact that he doesn't care. You know, that yep. to get like to to tattoo yourself like that, you do sort of put yourself in a target. Sadly, in in this day and age of oh God, who does he think he is? But the guy just pulled out an absolute stellar job and puts himself in P2. So, yeah, fair. I actually really like Kenneth. I always have. Solid rider. I think he matched really well when he went to Max Biaggi's team. Both sort of villain riders. Yeah. You know, Biaggi mm-hmm. always had that sort of, God, who does he think he is? But, yeah, mm-hmm. sorry, I'll, I'll shut up now. Who was your rider of the day? Oh, my pick. I don't know who are you? Um, I'll pick, I'm going to pick Marcel Schrotter because he's actually injured mm. as well. I think he broke his wrist or his, uh, one of the main bones in his, in his hand. Yeah. Um, cause they talked about it during the uh, commentary and even my daughter was like, how do you ride a motorcycle yeah. with a broken hand? Yeah. I'll give it Marcel. Cause I think genuinely to ride injured anyway is, is, yeah. Ride one handed is insane. So to get a top 10, yeah, I'll give it Marcel just for. Just for bravery and performance, really. Mm, for me, uh, oh god, this is a tough one, really. Um, 
I know I shouldn't. <laughs> there we go. Um, <laughs> nah, I think I'll, I'll just go with Sam Lowe's. I'll go with the, I'll, I'll go with the, the home Lincoln lad. Um, good performance. I actually preferred him to come like third or second, then win. Because if it oh, and- just if it, I'd just been like, oh god, it's going to happen again. <laughs> yeah. Well, and he was fifth coming out of the last corner, mm. and then you had Aguro and Fernandez make contact he takes third but then he had uh, what tendonitis yeah yeah tendonitis yeah yeah he's just like and it's something they said it it just came on recently like he's never had an issue and then coming up coming into this race weekend he's like his arms just screwing up on him so they were saying like how long will he stay in this how long can he stay with this pack because he's going to be working his arm even harder to try to stay up with these guys so but credit to Sam Lewis, because if you actually watch that last lap for Moto2, he could have easily just carried on at his normal pace and thought, I'm not going in that podium fight. It was about a second or so off of um, Agora and Fernandez. But you can, if you watch it and watch Lowe specifically, you can see he's actually pushing so hard to sort of go, let's see. Because he's thinking, if one of these two lunges on one another, I might be able to get P4 or P3. So Lowe's did the right thing in really pushing on that last lap in hope that something would happen. And fortunately enough for Sam and for us, it did. So smart move from Sam. You know, that's that's his experience coming in. He didn't he didn't give up on that. So he wouldn't have got the podium because actually watching it, he, he kind of pulled alongside, didn't he, of Fernandez. And he wouldn't have been in that position if he didn't push. He'd have been behind him hoping for slipstream. So he put himself in a great position there, Sam did. Mm-hmm. So that's it for Moto2. Moving up to MotoGP, we have Anea Bastianini getting his maiden win with the Grassini team. The first Grassini win in how long, Bono? Since 2006, Estoril from Tony Elias. Yep. And then in second, Brad (laughs) Binder. Let me say that again because I don't think you heard what I just said. KTM Red Bull factory rider, Brad Binder. Got second place. See, this is this and is what happens when, you have a KTM, when you have a KTM fan. They tend to celebrate P two. It's well, a bit weird, but you know. But here's the thing, and uh, we tweeted about this from the Red Sector account on Twitter. If you would have told us at the beginning of the race weekend, Anaya Bashanini is going to win the race, we'd have been like, eh, okay, maybe. But then, if you say Brad Bender is going to get second, we would have laughed in your face. Yeah. Like, if you said any KTM was going to be near the podium. We would have been like, you're funny. Like, you're think, full of crap. I think if you'd have told me before the weekend that KTM had been in the top five or six, I'd been like, bloody hell. Like, wow. Like, I wouldn't have been like, no way. But I'd have been like, top six? Like, I'd have been like, okay, someone's crashed out. Like, they've not got their own merit. But <laughs> A lot of people have crashed out. A lot of top runners have it, crashed out. <laughs> they have, but Brad Binder didn't well, put himself in a position to gain from that. He was already at the front. Do you know what I mean? Mm. He... he, he mm-hmm. He did it all. He did it all by himself. He, um, he was in Q one, wasn't he? And he made it through yeah. first, yep. second, yeah. and then he managed to bang it on seventh. I think what helped him massively was he had two mediums on, didn't he? Front and rear. Yes. Um, which kind of gave him that longevity into the race because I think then he did he reel in in pole or no? no he didn't know. Yeah. Pole ran wide because um, he was starting oh, to oh, lose yeah. the rear oh, yeah. end. He, because he went, uh, Paul went with soft, soft. So he was losing the back end. Yeah, he was and spinning, when Anaya passed, when Anaya passed him, kind of ran him a little. 
Oh, well, it was more like Paul ran long. Like he didn't break when he should have because mm. he was mm. focusing where Bashanini was. And then that's when Bender took the second spot. Yeah. Medium, medium. I'll say but, medium, medium didn't really work out for Fabio, but that's fine. I just cried myself to sleep anyway. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, no, honestly, not to sort of doom and gloom about my riders or anything. For Brad, I think if he's not, I mean, I know he'll get a bonus, a podium bonus or whatever, but I'd be giving him a double podium bonus because he has dragged them out their shit. <laughs> he really has. That, that KTM should should really, it shouldn't be there. Well, and you look at the other KTMs, uh, Oliveira crashed out at lap 10, and then you've got Remy finishing 15th and Raul finishing 18th. Raul was the last of the front runner or the, of the running bikes. So like the other KTMs have either crashed or are almost dead last. And then you've got Brad Bender who's putting it on the podium. Like this is like we going into this, but like the KTM looked like the worst bike. And mm. they yeah. put it on a podium. What the hell? Yeah, it's um it's an interesting one. It, it's hard to I'm trying to figure out really, uh, other than said the tire choices, I'm trying to figure out why, really. But it, I can't really think of anything. I don't know if it's just right place, right time. It's just the stars of stars of aligned, or is are we seeing are we seeing a Brad Binder? We know he's a we know he's a Sunday man. We know he he likes mm-hmm. his Sunday races, and he's not that bothered about a Saturday quali. But if we can see a Brad Binder get a seventh around that area of, of qualifying, could we see this kind of thing more often? Could this become, could could we kind of eat our humble pie when we're questioning why he's been given a contract till 2024? And could we, you, re- you could we see that? Big to us, us mainly, yeah. But like, yeah. I know you're, yeah, I'm not chucking you oh, on the bus. We, 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 both, we both, yeah. But I don't, it sounds like I'm discrediting KTM. I'm not. I'm, I'm, let me just clear that open right now. I'm not discrediting KTM. But, but I look at Ducati and I go, wow, like that is, that's an awful weekend for you. And people go, they've won. It's like, okay, how many times this year is Bastianini going to have the bike underneath him that can, that can challenge for a win? Not every weekend. Ducati will be looking at it and going, Bagnaya, we hope that you've got a bike that can challenge every weekend. Okay. Bagnaya crashed out. Jack Miller retired. Martin crashed out. Zarco finished where? P8. Do you know what I mean? Like the riders they've expected to have the facility underneath them to perform have done awful. Yamaha, not great. Ninth and eleventh, nothing sparkling. Honda, yeah, they've challenged there or thereabouts, third and fifth. Fair enough. But if I'm those three factories, I'm looking at that going, have we have we really like you know striked whilst the iron's hot? Personally, I think not because there's if I'm Yamaha. I'm kicking myself because I look at Ducati and go, they've had an awful weekend. We should have capitalized and Ducati vice versa or Honda vice versa or whatever. But, you know, if you're, if you're KTM, you're laughing in a way, but you might be laughing, but look at where everybody else has finished on a KTM. Like you've said, it's all well and good, but that that's almost like a Honda in the past years where you go, well, Marquez has done well, but all the others haven't. So if Marquez doesn't do well, a KTM then going to be fighting for points or, you know, like yeah. other than, other than Binder, they've not done anything. 
So it's mm. like, as much as I'm kicking myself at looking at Yamaha going ninth and 11th, I say clearly that's a bike issue that they need to work on because both riders are there or thereabouts. So, you know, if they can sort that out, they're both on a good pace to each other. KTM have been so inconsistent where you've got one rider at the top, one rider at the bottom, and it's like you need to find consistency so that if one of them doesn't perform, the other one does. I look at Suzuki. They've finished next to one another. So if they can sort that out, they just didn't look like they had that extra tenth in race pace that they seemed to have earlier on in the weekend, whether it was tyre choice, whether it was, I don't know. I don't know what it was. But for me, if Suzuki find that extra extra tenth or that race setup, they're there. They're there. Do you know what I mean? They are. But Ducati, take away the crashes. They didn't look great. Let's be no. honest. Mm-hmm. On the 2022 spec or whatever you want to call it, they did not look great at all. And again, it might be a long-term thing. It might be a long-shot thing where in four or five races, they get it perfect and it works out great. But let's review Qatar. Ducati have been dug out the shit like KTM have. Yeah. Nini and Binder, big time. Honda, yeah. third and fifth, mm-hmm. you go in, all right, we can work with that. But come on. If you're KTM now, and you see Binder crash out of Indonesia in the first lap, do you really sit there and go, well, it's all right, because the other three, you're sitting there going, that's probably our only chance gone. On on mm-hmm. the first, I know I'm talking early doors, but they didn't look great, KTM. They really didn't. And I know it's what matters when you race, so credit to Binder. But I don't. you can't tell me KTM are sitting there going, brilliant, problem solved. They must be sitting there internally going, We've still got a lot of work to do. Surely, you can't oh, tell yeah. me KTM are not sitting there saying, "Well, we've got it sorted." If I'm Suzuki or Honda, I'm going, "All right, we're in ballpark," because they are. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The main riders in both of those factories are they're in the ballpark. But if I'm KTM, I'm you know probably sitting there thinking, "Right, whatever Binder's done, <laughs> we need that. We need that from both him and Oliveira, and we need it every week." Because, like mm. Josh said, you don't know if it's a, a one-time pony sort of thing or if it is a humble pie for me and Josh to sort of sit there and say Binder's going to be there every week. I don't know. I'm not convinced yet. I'm not convinced. I don't know if he's going to be doing that every single week, personally. I could be wrong. I don't know your well, two like scores. You, like you've said, I Bono, I think we don't really know the lay of the land until we get to Europe. And then we start looking yeah. them off one by one because then you have Portugal... Jerez, Limon, um, Magello, you know, you have well, a, a fair few more than that. Um, and that's when you can start to really kind of figure out where people are. Um, and I think until that point, we're probably just going to say, oh, well, it's it's this or that, or they've just got lucky, or it's timing, or it's teething problems. It's You know, that's probably what the first four races are going to be all about. It's working out them gremlins. Yeah, I think um, when, when you get to Europe, you can gauge consistency, can't you? Mm. I think that's what it is. You can gauge, like, where is he each week? Whereas yeah. I don't want to sort of preempt that and say, can he do it every week? I've got to give him credit. That's why, first and foremost, I'm giving credit on that week's before on you know this week's performance at Qatar. But like you've just said, it's it's sort of hard to do that. But at the same time, you can't sit there and go, problem solved. Do you know what I mean? Like, you... You can't really right. do that. It's it's still early doors, but yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm being a bit too harsh, but I don't know. I can't sit. I can't honestly sit there and look at 
Mr. Polanski and say he's full of confidence and now <laughs> thinks KTM <laughs> oh, woes I'm are not. absolutely solved. <laughs> They're not. But if Josh, um, from your perspective, as as a Suzuki man, would you say, even on that result, that you're confident going forward? Because, I mean, somebody asked me actually a couple of weeks ago, if it wasn't for Yamaha, who would I be? And it would be Suzuki. And that's not me saying, oh, Yamaha have done crap. So I'm not a Suzuki. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying I, I like Suzuki. It's the smallest factory of the lot in Japan. So I sort of have that admiration for them and what they did in 2020. And I look at them coming into this year, we're a proper team manager and what seems to be the overall best package could be wrong, but on testing, it looked like the overall best package. I would only assume that you are quite confident going forward as Suzuki. Yeah. Um, I'd One say that's right. Is solved as well. Um, yeah. Pace is good. Testing. They look great. Um, free practice. They were smashing out the park. Obviously Rin's topped. Was it FP2 he topped? Um, yeah. yeah. Or FP, but even FT, FP1, he was top three, I think. Um, or there or thereabouts. He, they look good. It was just qualifying. Obviously, the, the the conditions didn't really suit Suzuki or Yamaha. They couldn't maximise the kind of corner re- entry and exit by the by what I've kind of read and listened to. Because due to the, I think it it got quite windy, didn't it? Um, in qualifying, mm. and it affected them. I think they're quite a a, a sensitive bike to the wind. Um, and then the race, it just felt a bit. I don't know. I'd, I'm still working out how to feel about it. Sixth and seventh, very strong. Obviously, we had Rins not throw it down the road, which is always a bonus. Um, it seemed like to me Rins did. I think he, I don't know. It, maybe he had a lot more in it, but it was like right. I don't want to throw it down the road. There's no point battling for the podium if you're just going to bin it halfway through the race. But, pick up but points on that. On that, how many times did we see last year where he'd be behind Mir and like like Portugal, he'd fly mm. in front of Mir and Mir go all right. Crack on, yeah. And Mira go, I'll take, I'll take what I know I can get. Yeah. And Rins would fly down the road and then bin it because he'd bite off more than he could chew. Mm. We can only go off I, this week. That, yeah, that I, you wouldn't see that from Rins last year. No, no, way. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised. Maybe this is a bit wishful thinking, and it, it's probably a bit more not problematic. But there's probably a reason why they finished sixth and seventh from not being able to fight for a podium. But I do like to think that maybe. Super or, or Suzuki turned around and said, "Look, just just go out there, be competitive, but gather data. We want race data. We want you both to finish the race. Um, you know, obviously fight fight for positions and and fight as much as you can, but don't don't go kicking the ass out of it and throw it down the road, Rins. Like think, you know, it's yeah. Race data in in the first few rounds, race data is critical yeah. to understand the bike and to understand where you need to improve." So you know what I'm. I think sixth and seventh. I'm. I'm pretty happy with that. Um, overall, I'd say yeah. In the long run, for in in the long yeah. run for the first term, sort of thing, like you say, race mm. data. Race data is critical, and I think that's why I'm like a a bad version of that with Yamaha. It's like nine and eleventh. They know the you, with that data, you can see where they're going wrong. Do you know what I mean? Throwing it down the road doesn't give them anything to work with, and I think ninth and eleventh. It's not ideal. It's not. Again, it's that thing where you've got riders finishing in the ballpark of each other where you can say, it's not us. You know what I mean? They're not going to sit there and mm. go, like Rins last year, Suzuki had been sitting there going, Mia's got P3, you were in P2, but you binned it. You know what I mean? Clearly it's you. It's you why we're not getting results. And I think mm. 
somebody, you know, Livio Supo is not thick. I think he would have been saying to Rins pretty early doors, look, you know, it's clear that the bite not, might not be exactly where you want it to be last year, but you need to sort your end out and not be biting off more than you can chew. And he's finished four seconds behind Mia, but he's brought back P7's points. Whereas last year he would have he would have pushed to get past Mia, and even if he would have passed him or if he wouldn't have done, he would have been binning it. There's no way on this earth. I watched that race mm-hmm. twice. I've watched that race twice now, and I, I remember on the second time round watching Rins for five or six laps, and I thought, yeah, you know what? If that were last year... I think he would have done. I think he would have just thrown it down the road. He didn't do it every race, don't get me wrong. But there was a lot of instances where he would. Yeah. Even if he didn't crash, he'd burn out his tyres. Or Do you know what I mean? The man- the race management was awful last year from Rins. I don't think you could say mm. any other. I'd like to think going into this season, he's got that monkey off his back of, I should have been world champion in 2020. Yeah, Because really, I- I right, so. by rights, you could argue that it should have been him. And then he went into 2021 thinking, right. I think there was a lot of that, wasn't there? Last year, it was sort of like, oh, I need to prove it, I need to prove it. Whereas I think, again, I think Supo, if he does bring that side to Suzuki, four rins of, look, there's no pressure. Mir Mir didn't defend his title. We're we're back to square one. You know, you're not not champion for three years by winning it once. You know, we're we're back to square one. Pick up your points consistently. And then we'll see where we're at. And we'll improve the bike as we go along. I think he just needed to take him back a step because Rinzel had been kicking himself from 2020, being injured. I think he broke his collarbone at a ref in mm. qualifying or FP3 in 2020. And it, it stalled his season and he gained a bit of form. And then, it, again, he was sort of chasing loose ends. And like you say, 2021 race management probably had a lot to do with that. But you can't sit there on your morals and say, you know, last year I should have been and I would have been and I could have been. You know, you've got to go off results. And for Rins, I think it's, it's healthy to sit there and say, I've brought the bike back, you know, four seconds behind my teammate, let's move on from there. It can only look back on that positively and say, we're, we're both in the ballpark. We're both finished next to one another. So clearly the bike just didn't have that extra bit and we maybe it was us partially. We couldn't just make that extra step. But at the end of the day, last year, I don't think he's bringing those points back. So I'd be pretty happy with, with that for Rins. Quickly, Aleish... Solid. I think because he's had a podium last year, we sort of guide past it a little bit. But P4 on Aprilia, they're clearly making steps. Well, Aleish with Aprilia is making steps. I remember seeing a comment in my Discord saying, Aprilia, you know, if Aprilia have got it together like they, in quote, look like they have, Maverick will challenge for the world title. And I know we're only one race in, but... Yeah, that that didn't really didn't really go to plan, did it? So yeah, I'm glad I took him out of my fantasy team. <laughs> let, well, we'll get to fantasy well, team yeah. in, a bit, in a bit because I don't want to go well, there for a hot second. And then, like throughout the race, if you watched, uh, Vinales was down towards the bottom at certain yeah, points. Twenty like first, I wasn't wasn't he? Or something yeah, like when he first started off. I mean, I'm obviously again, you can't discredit him for that because he's actually finished. But but yeah. Um, and as well, like, again, it's so easy to sort of gloss over it because, it was, you know, you want to get into the people that you feel like people will miss. But Bastian Nini, I mean, come on. Like, honestly, anybody that looks at that and just can't even be somewhat happy for the guy and that team, I I, I think you're watching the wrong sport. Like, mm-hmm. I, I could not be happy for a guy that 
I've barked on about for God knows how long. I remember seeing tweets that I used to tweet out when I was like 10, 11 years old when he was in Moto3 and whatnot. And I'm not saying that for the sake of, oh, you know, I've always been his fan. Now he's won a race. Like <laughs> everyone said it last year when we were watching Mizano and saw him, you know, get that bike that he was on. We said if he'd have qualified better in that race, he could have won that race. You know, it wouldn't have been between Fabio and Pecco in the first one. He would have won it. Um, and I, I honestly think he deserves it so much. For for At one point in that race, I think Binder was getting close to him. We thought, ooh, Bastianini could slide back a bit here. And then he just clicked. I think that medium mm. tyre sort of started to just hold on and everyone around him that had softs on or wasn't managing it as well or hadn't managed it as well. I think he just, you know, the cream rise to the top and even if Paul would have wouldn't have run wide, Paul was not winning that race. You could see him four laps no. to go, three laps to get. The, the back end was just spinning and spinning. And again, I'm not discrediting Bastianini on saying other people didn't do what they should have done. He did what he needed to do and brought it home. And fuck, I mean, Christ. I I jokingly said when Martin got taken out by Pecco, I said, oh, at least Martin got to ride his bike for next year. Like. You know, <laughs> thinking, thinking that Martin's going to be. But we've said on the podcast a few times, it's between Bastianini and Martin, but gone, oh, well, it's probably going to be Martin. <laughs> me saying, no, I, he's, I don't know. Me saying I mean... he's Ducati out of the shit this weekend. An Italian rider has won for an Italian factory in the first race of the weekend, uh, first race of the year on what's meant to be the worst Ducati, being the oldest Ducati. He's it dug is. him out of the crap. But to be honest, I think as well, it just shows how competitive that 2021 Ducati still is because that is that is Pecco's bike from last season, isn't it? That he yeah. won four races on. And five, it's I think, didn't he? Five? Four or five. Four. I, I, I don't four, know, but uh, still, yeah. Four. But, yeah, he's, and it just shows how how refined that package is, how good it is, that bike. Well, he was even saying that, like, while Pecco and Jack have been working with the 2022 to try to get it to work right and try to figure out what works. Bastianini is on a bike he knew from last year. Mm. So he pretty much just was able to hop on and keep going and keep going. It's like they're not trying to develop this bike. It's already developed. So all he had to do was hop on and get comfortable and he was gone. That's the advantage of getting a satellite bike. Sometimes you can end up with a better bike that's refined, Mm -hmm. that's kind of... Not in like a teething stage or a or a development stage, and in the early races, like we kind of saw with Zarco last year, you can just fly off. You can you can do well. It's just more towards like halfway through the last half of the season when usually that's when the factory teams have figured out all the gremlins and they're they're usually more competitive. But yeah, hats off to Bastianini. We 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 knew we, he, someone of his talent in his second season. On a bike that is still competitive, I mean, it was all—it was a question of when he was going to get a win this season, rather than if, in my opinion. But to get it in the first race is is just incredible. It really is. Yeah, and obviously as well, anybody that knows the, you know, the tragic events that happened last year with Grassini and obviously Fausto Grassini himself passing away, and seeing his wife. Like, oh god! Mm. I honestly, mm-hmm. I could have, I could have teared up I was watching emotional. that. Yeah, I could have teared up watching that to to see that woman carry on her. And she didn't even, you know, respectfully, she didn't have to carry no. on. You know what I mean? She could have just picked somebody out and let them do it. But she's gone. You know what? 
I'll I'll carry it on in me my husband's name and whatnot. And again, people will say, "Oh, it, clearly it's the bike that he's on." You don't understand how much must go into that. I don't understand. No one does sitting here understands how much that goes into putting a team together and having everything, you know, in tip top shape. And God, I mean, you couldn't write for a better first race in that respect. You really couldn't. I mean, everyone was sitting there saying, you know, even if he only wins one race or whatever, that must give him so much confidence going forward, knowing he can win. I think we all knew it was it was coming, almost like Martin last year. We knew we were going to win a race at some point. But, you know, for, for Fausto's sake and whatnot, cry, I, I, seeing her tear up two laps to go made me want to be like, Binder, mm. fuck off, like, don't even bother. Like, if, if Binder would have took that away from him, I'd have been so upset. Um yeah. You know, he, you know I, he won it. He won it on merit. He won it on merit. Yeah. He won it. He, he thoroughly deserved it. But what? What a brilliant story! Do you know what I mean? Well, I mean, over the next four or five races, he could very well get a few more wins. Like I said, all the other kind of teams—KTM, Honda, Repsol, Aprilia, Suzuki, Ducati, the the other Ducati, Yamaha—they're all still kind of in the teething kind of testing development phase and he's on a bike that's oven ready it's ready to go it's it's race winnable so <laughs> he could we could see him win at indonesia or argentina or america we really could it, you know these first it's it's possible um so it'll be an interesting one for for bastianini to keep an eye on yeah and then like you look at Talking to Cotty, you look at where like some of the other riders finished. Like Jack, like you could tell early on, Jack was having problems with that bike. And apparently, whenever he went back into the or whenever he retired, he <laughs> shouted "effing electronics." Yeah. So I, my first thought was because you, you kept seeing him drop, and then he just like went off, and you're like, my first thought was um, when. Morbidelli had the ride height device stuck on. Mm. That was my first thought. With how fast Miller dropped, I'm like, is something stuck? Is he like, is something wrong with the bike? And then, yeah, Martin takes out Bangaya. Um, but Zeki crashes. I'll tell you what, I bet Jack Miller's not going to be flying out to Qatar for a holiday anytime soon because every time he goes there, it's like it's. He's had some yeah. shocking results and shocking luck as well. But, he, he, you know, he did well in testing last year and everyone must have thought, you know, when everyone was like, this is it, he must have thought, thank God, this is the time. And mm-hmm. then got like two ninth places or two eighth places or something. He must have think, fucking hate this place. But, yeah, I, I when I saw him pull in, I thought if Peko finished, you know, thinking Peko were going to finish anyway, but if Peko gets a top six... Martin gets a top six, top eight. Bastianini's in fight. I thought, you're not selling yourself for a while, Jack. I've got to be honest. But no. I think Jack's quite lucky in the sense of Peko crashing because they're going to be equally as, as annoyed, aren't they, in a way? Cause, mm. but, well, yeah, and, the but... fa- and the fact that the bike was the problem. It's not like Jack crashed out or Jack oh, yeah, of course, screwed of course, up but, and you know is the reason for it. If Jack had have finished, they'd be sitting there looking at Peko going, We've just given you a new contract and you just you've binned it down the road first race and took out another Ducat. You know what I mean? He would have mm-hmm. no 
no harsh feeling from Duke. He'd be sort of the good boy, wouldn't he, sitting there saying, well, bike's not great, but I brought it home or whatever. But no, it won't, won't to be, was not to be at all. If you're a factory Ducati fan or a Ducati fan in general, apart from Bastianini, you know, you're not, you're not, you're not great, are you? Mm. You're not very happy. Um, do you want to do rider of the day and then get into some questions? Uh, yeah, I'm going to take uh, Bender. <laughs> straight in. <laughs> Just straight I'm, I'm in. not letting you guys steal that from me. <laughs> I mean, it, it speaks for itself, like we talked about at the beginning, like to watch. You know, he didn't qualify the greatest, but like you said, he's not a Saturday man. He's a Sunday man. I think we can um, cohesively pick Bastianini as like our, you know. Yeah, that's a de facto one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's that's a collective one. Yeah, definitely. Because as I was saying, um, uh, I'm going Paul. Paul. Okay, Paul. I think quickly to touch on Honda again. That Repsol, they they have. It seems have made a bike more capable for someone else to ride other than Mark. Um, and of course, I think Paul, he, he had his bedding in season last season. Um, but he didn't p- do particularly great apart from, was it pole position in Silverstone? I, I should know that. Yeah, yeah. I was there, but, yep. um, other than that, it was a bit of meh season. Uh, and again, first race, we can't really make any assumptions, but it looks, the reps are looks good they've got they've taken a different approach obviously mark's probably a bit and it's not his bike but they needed to sort that out and they needed to you know they needed to have a bike that two people could ride and be competitive on um so i think paul we could maybe see him finally you know start start to get into the podium positions and see him lead races for the you know and maybe he might even outshine Mark for a lot of this season. That maybe that's that's going a bit far, but possibly. I was gonna say, Josh, watch yourself. You could be putting a big target on your back by the time it comes to like <laughs> Saxon Ring and you see Mark just absolutely blitz everybody. But yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I think we've all got solid shots because I'm picking a leash because at the end of the day, if you're beating your teammate by he's finished two point two off so he's he's beat your teammate by twenty seconds and mm. Besides that, he's finished 10th off of the podium and had Aprilia's best ever result at Qatar. P4 yeah. as well on Aprilia. I know we say on an Aprilia, but mm-hmm. they look like they're now becoming that team that you can't say on an Aprilia. You know, best ever result at Qatar, slightly off the podium, and fought for the whole race. Mm. So I've got to give it a leash. Um, so... On to questions. Are we just now, not going to talk about Yamaha for your sanity? Yeah, yeah, we'll skip past that. To, uh, I, was, I was about to mention. <laughs> <laughs> we'll skip past that. Uh, no, honestly, I think I do think Qatar was always going to be a rough one, especially with the speed deficit. I mean, Christ, look at the look at the way Fabio finished. Got pit by Zarco. I think Yamaha have got a long way to go, and I do think it'll be at least a good five or six races till I see a competitive well, Yamaha. They... I really do. They said that they're bringing uh, upgrades to Magello, but that's six races in. Well, I'm at Magello, so if they do and Fabio wins, I'll mm. be getting absolutely sloshed. I, so, I'm uh, sorry to say it, but I, I do think Fabio will have the season Mir had last last year, basically. Yeah, I, th- I, I do. Th- I, I, I agree. Think. I agree. 
I agree. You know, just um, just doesn't not having the bike that's good enough. Um, you know, not not having that extra ten percent or that kind of final third. You know, mm. just kind of frustratingly, I mean, kind of being there or thereabouts, but not, not yeah, at the I, front. I think it's early doors. Don't get me wrong, mm. but I do think there's a clear deficit that they've got, and I don't know. I think there's a lot of races there that I'm like speed deficit wise, you're going to struggle. Like Argentina, that back straight's like four miles long. I think they'll struggle <laughs> there. I think Mandalika, they've got half a chance, but I don't know. I can't really see any strong track. And it, when you start looking at tracks that you do well at, it's sort of like, mm, it's not a great way to approach it because you want to be strong everywhere. And I do think that is almost like Suzuki last year. So I don't know. It's early doors, but we'll see. We'll see. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure. I think it is very grey patch for Suzuki and Yamaha. I know Yam- Suzuki look good, but you don't know mm. how good yet, do you? Do you know what I mean? But so, a quick point as well before we go on to questions. Suzuki look fucking good on the streets. How quick yeah, they look on the streets. I was like, wow. I was an inline um, four managed that. It's crazy. I know. I know. When I saw that, I was just like, fair play. Fabio's like, play. I know what bike I'm going on next season. <laughs> if Rins goes down the road, he's probably like, I'll stay on a blue bike, but I'll change. <laughs> um, okay. So basically, just to clarify where we're getting the questions from, we put them in the Discord. And if anybody listening to this wants to submit any questions, then pop them into the Discord. Uh, if you go on our Twitter, there'll be a link to that, or my bio on Twitter or whatever, there'll be a link. So, starting off, um, we have a question from Julian. First question is, what do we all think of the debutants that made the first race in Qatar? Assuming you're talking about GP here. Um, any comments on any debutants, any standouts? Obviously, me and Matt were talking beforehand, and... Remy Gardner is in the lead for the Rookie of the Year with one point. <laughs> Which really surprised me because um, before I was looking at the whole session breakdown and all the uh, documents that MotoGP puts out, I wasn't aware where he finished. I knew that there were like all four rookies, well, all four rookies that were still on their bikes had finished like in their own little group in the back, but I didn't realize that Remy got 15th and got a point. Um, I mean, Bedzeki crashing out sucks, but he looked like he was having a good race though, didn't he? Bezeki yeah, he, like did. he was, he was actually up ahead of uh, that Miller. whole pack, he was actually staying up towards you know, he was ahead of Miller, before Miller, Miller before Miller pulled in, I think, if memory serves me right. But the other four, I mean, it was a Typical rookie race, like yeah, yeah. They they were they were we said it before we were looking they would they all finished within like in that group probably like a second and a half two seconds well but yeah Darren Binder finished what hundredth for the second behind Remy Gardner yep. yeah which is quite a shock I I didn't hats off to Darren Binder I mean he was keeping tabs with Dovey for a little while um yeah. he was ahead of Dovey at one point yeah I think my so bold it... prediction could still come to fruition I must say <laughs> Darren Binder for world world champion. <laughs> 
yeah. <laughs> no, to but, be I mean, Dolby, but yeah. Um, I mean, I don't think they did horrible. I just think it, it was a typical race of rookies. Yeah. Um, yeah. As they go through the season, they get more experience. They might, you know, challenge for a top ten. Definitely yeah. challenge for points, but for. First race one is from Joey, and he basically said, "Out of the top five manufacturers, so Matt, you might have to get a manufacturer's um, page up. Who do you think, based on this weekend, will do best going forward?" Or like, I think it's more like a manufacturer's point of view question of like, "How do you think Ducati will do going forward?" I think it's hard with that spec engine to sort of gauge what Ducati will do. Um, KTM, I think we've kind of we've kind of gone over it, haven't we? But I think. The one that we've probably not touched on a lot is Aprilia. It's kind of hard because you've got one rider that's finished quite low back. It's not like he's a rookie. Um, still getting used to the bike, granted, but, you know, done well in testing. So he looked like he was up to pace in testing with Maverick I'm talking about. Um, but both very end of the spectrum. So we've kind of covered everyone else. What does everyone think on Aprilia? Uh, on Aprilia, I, I mean, it's early, so it's hard to say. You saw Leish do good. You saw Maverick finish 12th. You know, one, like, like we said, at one point, he was down towards the bottom, was able to come back. So going forward, could they have good results? Possibly. Yeah. But yeah, I think, I think they could get a race win this season. Maybe that's yeah. a bit bold, but I, I think... I think um, if uh, if Alex finds himself like right place, right time kind of situation, he could easily um, he could easily find himself a win. Definitely, uh, I honestly do. Having seen that race, believe they will get a race win. I thought I think that was my sort of bold prediction. I might have made a long time ago when I was like, I think they'll win, but it's sort of like you either look like a complete idiot or like you're going with the crowd mm-hmm. with that one it's sort of like everyone's like yeah we all knew that was going to happen are you going to be like huh, you thought they were going to win yeah like <laughs> you know but just it just goes to show how well Aprilia have come on in the last few years because three years ago you would have never have said they were going to win a race never um so yeah credit to them next one we have is biggest surprise of the weekend negatively and positively so one good surprise and one bad surprise for each of you. Good surprise that KTM could compete for a podium. Yeah, I think that would have been yours. I mean, negative would probably... Probably Ralph Fernandez from what you've just been saying. Yeah, well... No, it probably... would be Factory Ducati, for sure. Yeah, I was going to say Peko... Peko crashing out, Jack 
you know, a bike failing him. Um, and then Peko crashing out, taking out Martine in the process. Which, did you see the thing about where Peko's foot peg ripped open Martine's leathers? No, I didn't yeah. see that. There's a, there's a picture on Instagram. I forget who put it out. It's probably MotoGP. But they were ne- it was them kneeling in the gravel pit together when Pekka went over to apologize. And you could just see like the whole right side of Martin's leathers. Are, like, it's not down to bare skin, but like you can see that top layer just got shredded. Cross. So, yeah, it would mm. have to be factory Ducati and just taken out of Pramac in the process. Are we all in agreement for negative one being Ducati then? Yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. Who would be your um, positive, Josh? <laughs> Uh, positive surprise, no surprise. I don't, I don't uh, like that laugh. <laughs> Rins not been in it. Um, to be crude, but at the same time, more in the sense of positive surprise that he looks like a different person. It looks like a this is a different Alex Rins. Um, who's a bit more calm, collected. Who who's who's happy to kind of sit back a little bit and think more strategic or tactical. Think of the bigger picture than just thinking. Right, I'm going to get to the front no matter what happens, and then just bidding it. So, yeah, I'd say that's my positive surprise. Okay, we've got um, a few more. We have... This is quite a cool concept, and uh, to be fair to Max, who asked it in the Discord, he did say it would never work because of sponsorships and the money involved and all that. But, like, just as a hypothetical concept, what do you think uh, to MotoGP having a promotion and relegation system like football to get new talent and get rid of stagnant riders. So basically riders that pay a lot to get in, um, like F1, for example, Mazepin, he would get relegated and see people like, did Nick DeVries, and, did he win the Formula E? And then see Oscar Piastri in F2. So yeah, to yeah. MotoGP terms, you know, see the likes of Gardner and Fernandez get promoted and see who finished like dead last last year. My mind has gone completely blank on last year. Who finished dead last? Mm. Um, I'm not sure. I want to say like, no, I, I, I could not tell you. We'd have to go. We'd have to look, wouldn't we? Um, Who finished dead last in MotoGP last I mean, year? It's kind of hard because there were so many Patronus mm. riders. There was like Dovey, Dixon, Gerloff, and all them, or whatever. Yeah, you'd have to. You'd probably take them out and just go full time, wouldn't you? By the looks of it, it was. Would it um, be I'm just up now. like Marini or something? No, would it be Marini? No, I think no. Petrucci. Yes, might be Petrucci, actually. Petrucci and then Laquona, and then Marini and then Rossi. Yeah. So, people, uh, for example, what what do you think to the concept of that? Obviously, it would never happen. Let's just say that up. It'd be cool, but, again, you'd have to take in, like, injuries into account, wouldn't you? Um, you'd have to take in a lot. There'd be, like you said, there'd be a lot of variables. Like, if if someone got injured for half the season, or would you count people who were in for like ten races, or you know, how would it, how would that play out? How would it work? But I could see where it was coming from. That'd be, it would be interesting to see. Would be quite cool, wouldn't it? Because you sort of like a guarantee of like, mm. if you're if you're at the top, then you're going up, and if you're yeah, if, if you're, you're at the bottom, like a... sort of you have to fight for that bottom place to yeah. get out of it. If you had like top 
top four out of Motor 2, say, and the bottom four out of GP or top three, bottom three or something. See, the only problem you've got with that is is people that then go to World Superbikes, it's sort of like a, a scapegoat for then the next person yeah, to be like the relegation. Yeah. But yeah, if you're talking just GP, it would be, would be quite cool. Um, okay, last few questions. We've got them from um, Armo. We've got, do you think Bastianini is a dark horse for the title? Quite a bold shot, obviously. Yes. Quite mm-hmm. easy to get ahead of ourselves for um for one race. Do I think he's a dark horse for the title? No. But I do think he can be up there. Like Martin. I think he can be like Martin in my my perspective. Yeah. Martin's like P five. I think he can fight P five P five ish. Well then you but like if you look at uh during the press conference, they were doing so um what is that? Moto GP social and Marquez wrote down Martin for yeah. uh, rider champion. So, yeah, me, me and Martin have the same picks. Uh, me and Marquez have the same picks, apart from the fact that I picked Marquez. He, he picked Foggy for three, and who did he pick for number two? Acosta. I, I, I think he might have picked Acosta. I'm not sure. Yeah. I don't know. I think we have the same picks or so. something like that. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Um, do you, who do you think will replace Miller on the factory Ducati for 2023? He's already assuming that he's getting replaced. Um, I think we've kind of gone there and saying that we don't really know, but it's. I don't think they'll go. I mean, it's without, hard to tell uh, with how without, early like, it is. Yeah, it's hard to tell how early it is, but I don't think they'll go from, you know, exterior. I don't think they'll get like Mia or Fabio. I think it will be Martino or Bastianini. Yeah, I was going to say it all depends how the rest of the season plays out. Like right now. Well, before the season started, everyone was saying, oh, Martin, Martin, Martin. Yeah. If Bastianini performs better than Martin, you could see Bastianini That's what get I was that saying seat. in the last pod. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, you could see it, definitely. Um, it does. That will be one to watch over the season between them two. But mm-hmm. obviously they're on different bikes, so it's difficult to really compare it fairly. Like I've like I've said a few times, you know, that, that 2021 Ducati is is ready to go it's, it's a race good, winner whereas it? whereas i think what martin's riding is still more of a a concept bike because he's got the mm-hmm. as well so, martin's got the work 2022, in yeah he's got the yeah. 2022 um engine as well so uh it's more of a guinea pig bike if anything um yeah and and bastianini quickly on that one yeah i don't think i can't see him being a contender just because he's not he's a satellite bike it's not you know, going especially how long yeah. this season is. There's like what twenty two races or something. It's yeah. more like for me. I think might be what Josh is saying as well. For me, it's when the upgrades start coming in, mm. and you start seeing these factory teams have factory upgrades, and they sort of yeah, you'll get them if you know if if Ducati brings something in, like I've been saying for this spec engine that then just fine tunes it, or whether it's a chassis thing, or whether it's an aerodynamic. I don't know, but if they get that right. And then everybody's got it. You've then got four of the Ducatis that are going to be quicker than him all weekend. That's the thing I'm like, I don't think he'll fight for the title for that reason. That's the only thing I'm saying on that from in terms of that. I don't know if that's what Josh is trying to say. But yeah. Well, it's when the upgrades start coming the- in. Look, look at look at um KTM last year. You know, they brought him in for Mugello, Saxon Ring, Catalonia, top, 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 pretty much every, you know, all three races. And yes, they fizzled out, but why did we not see that from Tech 3? Because they weren't get, they didn't have that luxury. So it's like, you know, they sort of lose out on that. Well, and then the point that Ducati, if satellite riders or satellite bikes start doing well and beating the factory, 
Ducati has made it a point to start making that satellite rider test new parts. So, mm, yeah, I mean, I and like you said, it's early, so it's hard to tell. But yeah, um, what's the next one? The the last question is um, for me. It's a dividing answer, but who will be the rookie of the season? Now, for me, I originally was Ralph Fernandez, Ralph Fernandez, Ralph Fernandez. Um. For me, I am 50-50 now with Ralph Fernandez and Bez. Personally, I think if Bez can stay on it, I really do think he looks quick. And again, it's only one race, but Bez has surprised me a lot more than what probably people think um, he would have done. So that is mine, I think, between Bez and Raul. Mm, um, probably Bezeki, I think. Um, I just don't think over the course of the season that Tech 3 is going to do anything. I think Gardner and, and Fernandez are going to be very, very limited with what they can show on that Tech 3. Um, so it kind of leaves Pizeki and, um, well, Digi, who, who could, you know, Digi's on a, is Digi on a 2021 Ducati as well? So he's yep. he's got it under him. He's got the p- capability there. Or, <laughs> or Darren Binder. It's, it's kind of, he might throw up a surprise, but I'll, I'll probably I'll probably say Pizeki, yeah. Uh oh boy. So I want to say Bezeki, but then it's the whole point of is he going to push too hard? Yeah, you can mm. make that assumption off of the weekend. Yeah, I do get that, but I I personally think on just raw pace, he looks to be like up to where like Marini is now, like where it took Marini. Mm. I know Marini is a slow burner anyway, but Bez looks. I don't know. He just looks quite sharp for me. But yeah, it's yeah, I can. Yeah, I don't know. Like I said, part of me wants to say, but Zeki, but then I, I'm a little hesitant. Yeah. I mean, before he crashed out, he was running up towards the top. So yeah, yeah, I'll say, but Zeki. <laughs> We've all been swung by round one. <laughs> yeah. Like, syndrome. I know it's only first round, yeah. But um, yeah, solid questions. A quick thank you to everybody that actually asked a few. Um, but now it's time for me to get absolutely ribbed as we move <laughs> on to fantasy Moto GP fantasy. So uh, uh, also, if for those of you who don't know, before you start, before you start, me and Matt actually checked before we started this podcast, and we have fifty-one people. Mm-hmm. In- so, absolute fair play to everyone. A that's league joined. that we, last year had what? I think we had 12, 13 12, people. Yeah. And now we're up to 51. Yeah. Thank you, everyone who's taken part and everyone who joined. Uh, for those of you who haven't, uh, you can go on to MotoGP Fantasy. Uh, it's fantasy.motogp.com. Uh, just search Red Sector. We're the only one that comes up. And uh, just hop in, you know, see what you can do, see if you can beat us. Race to race, and uh, yeah, so uh, this year, last year, being that we had a smaller group, we were able to like read through the whole thing. This year, the way we're going to do it, we're going to read out the top three for winners for the race, and then the top three for the uh, standings. And, you know, being that the first race, they're the same. The, the fame, so basically, guys, the, the fame has got to us. We can't, we can't afford to read yeah. out. <laughs> it, if we had to sit here and read all fifty-one names, I'd need a gallon of water. 
Yeah, me and Josh are going to go and delete all of those extra Gmails that we've made to join the league. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but first place, we have Wally87. Second place, NLR Moto. And third place, 93Nick. Um, I finished sixth, so kind of happy about that. Uh, Josh, I believe you were in the 20s. I'm 29. You're in the 20s. Yeah. Oh, and then Bono, do we want to yeah. talk yeah. about Bono's yeah. 45th? Come you on. just got Yamaha riders, Bono. So no, I've got no, no Yamaha. No Yamaha. But like, they got put in the, the Discord in the channel, the MotoGP Fantasy channel, and Matt was like, oh, it's just all Yamaha. Actually, there's no Yamaha. I had um, <laughs> I have Peko. Yep, that happened. Where I had Mark, I had Suzuki. So Mark and Suzuki, you know, decent. Then I had yep. Martin. Now, if you go back to my gold rider, my gold rider <laughs> took out my silver rider and himself. <laughs> and I had Ralph Fernandez who finished dead last. So, dead last. I mean, it's a great weekend. Oh, I'm definitely just going to avoid any t- any rider you've got. That happened Definitely. last year, literally. Yeah. Ant-Man probably looked at mine every weekend. Ant-Man, for anyone listening, finished the top of our league by a country mile oh, last smashed year. it, yeah, yeah. He probably he's not returned. Yeah, he's not returned, but he probably looked at my team and went, right, I'll pick the exact opposite of what he picked. And it must have worked because, yeah, I'm 45th in a league of 51. And I, don't, I think the bottom three didn't even... Did they even... Bottom two, they didn't score any points, so... So basically, I'm I'm like fourth from last. Um, just want to say, the guy that is in first did use a boost, and the guy he used a boost. What? So, yeah, he used a boost in the first race. I mean, if it works, then it works. But like, it's a marathon, not a sprint. But either way, I don't win either. So you know, I can sit there and say that I won't win. Oh, well, it was funny because I like up until. Uh, the end of FP4, I was sitting there changing my team constantly, just clear whole team and like rebuild it, trying to figure out what worked to the point I was telling uh, Bono, even my daughter was like, look at me every couple of minutes. Did you read start your team yet? <laughs> and so I finally, I was watching the timer countdown because it closed 10 minutes after FP4 is when, like, the deadline was. And I was watching the timer count down to seconds, still filling out my team, and I ended up going Mir, Marquez, Honda, Bastianini, and Aleish. You could not get any more lucky doing that at the last second, could you? Yeah, that. Like, Aleish, what was it? Mir, Marquez, Honda, Honda Bastianini, and Bastianini Aleish. Bastianini and, and Aleish. Audacity, he has the audacity to go, oh... I put Bastianini as a silver rider. I'm like, oh, oh my god, it's silver. I'm like, I put fucking Pecco as my gold, and he took out my bastard silver. So what does that leave me with? Nothing. I got nothing. Uh, but yeah, I was at one point. I even put in the Discord. I'm like, my whole fantasy team is three, four, five, and six. Honestly. I just, like Josh says, and I, I did say this before we got into it. Um, I did say, no matter what, if, if whatever it is I pick, it, it will be bad. Like, they will have a bad weekend. So <laughs> I 
I'm right in that sense. I just can't seem to pick anybody that has a good weekend. I'll probably change it before Mandalika. I'll say, you know what? I'll take Ralph Fernandez out and I'll pick another rookie. And then Ralph Fernandez will probably go get a podium in his second race. And people will be saying, oh my God, like quickest ever rookie to get a podium on a satellite bat or whatever. And I'll be sitting there with pie on my face because I've taken him out of my team. And I'll be sitting there dead well, last. And one of the interesting things I noticed was you get two swaps. You get what? two trades. Before like Mandalika the or the whole season. I don't know, but like it's saying right now, there's two. I have two oh, trades yeah. remaining. So, well, I'm I'm changing mine as we speak. So, <laughs> <laughs> but it was last season. It was um, well, you could only change one a weekend. So, if that is the whole year, if you're allowed to change two uh, per weekend, it might be interesting. I mean, you still got the budget cap to work with, but oh, Francesco Bagnaia <laughs> might be making himself a uh, member of. <laughs> Somebody else's <laughs> team, but he might be getting taken out of mine. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, yeah, like don't, we said, if you're not in, join. Don't listen to me for tips. That's all I, I think that's what you should be saying. Don't listen to me <laughs> well, for tips. And I like this is how much like I got like into this. Oh, like in the week leading up, they MotoGP put out a video talking about fantasy, and I'm like, oh well, maybe this will like help pick out like help me make some picks and stuff like that and no it was one of the moto gp got like video guys talking to dg about what dg's fantasy team would be <laughs> and i'm like as the video's going i'm like this is gonna be the most boring thing because he's gonna pick ducati as his factory he's gonna pick peco he's <laughs> gonna pick himself i think he put bastianini on his team and then put rins in there I think I remember when they asked Cal Crutchlow last year or the year before or whenever it was, and everyone was exp- everybody went for their factory with like their teammate, and Cal mm-hmm. Crutchlow was like, "Well, I'll go with Ducati for my factory, and mm-hmm. then I'll go with Mir for my ride." Everyone was like, "You're not going to pick Yamaha or Honda, whatever it was." And he was like, "No, I'll I'll go with Ducati." And he just completely <laughs> blanked them. He was like, "Yeah, I'll go with that." <laughs> yeah, I was like, I was just trying to find like stuff to help me settle my mind because like i said in the week leading up to this i was just constantly resetting my team and like well will this work how can i make this work at one point i had i think i had peco mir marquez and i think i went with bezeki and aprilia as my constructor just so i could get like three of the top runners and then, yeah, I think I yeah, might make a... some, some changes, but then I'll make changes, and then everyone will be going, well, see, you putting it right, well, I'll not put it <laughs> in there. Uh, yeah. And another thing I, I noticed, you can't view anybody's team in the league anymore. No, you can't. Oh, uh, well, there you go then, guys. Oh, who's, who, who am I going to pick? <laughs> who are you, who are you yeah. picking? So we, we'll avoid them. <laughs> All right, yeah. I, I, I'll pick... Um, wait, who do I want to do bad? I'll pick both Honda riders. So you can all pick Fabio and he'll win. There we go. Reverse psychology. That's how, that, that's how that works. But yeah, so if you're not involved, hop in. It's a lot of fun. So unless you're me and you get way too into it. Um, way yeah, too hop into in, it. see when, how when, you do. When when your kids are coming up to you saying, Dad, like, are you going to, you know, I need feeding. I've not, I've not seen water for three days. Like, you know, that's when it gets to a point where it's out of control. 
Yeah. I mean, it's not that bad, but whenever your 10-year-old daughter is starting to make comments, like, did you reset your team again? <laughs> like, you know? Yes. Three times since you said that. God. But yeah, hop in, see how you do each week. We'll call your name out if you get in the top three. And yeah, so I think that'll do it for today. Uh, be sure to follow us on Twitter at Red Sector and Instagram. Uh, you can follow Joss on Twitter at WilsonJ194. You right. can follow Bono at, on Twitter at BonoGP underscore. You can follow myself at Matt Polanski1. That'll do it for today. And with that, Keep the throttle pinned.